0: Every podcast topic is crafted and led with the thought of you and mind. And just like this podcast, I also have a published book. It's called Without Ruin, Pearls of Wisdom for the Triumphant Woman. You know, pearls are so precious you would want to protect them. But the same cannot be said about these pearls of wisdom that I've gained along the way. In my book, I've covered all the bases for living a life free from sexual compromise. I want you to have these pearls and I want you to pass them on to others around you. If this 30-second plug has captured your attention at all, you need to get the book without Ruin: pearls of wisdom for the triumphant woman. Written by me, your host, Berthina Jackson. Head to Amazon.com to get your copy.
1: Ladies, your natural instinct is to worry you worry about your children, your health, your relationship, and everything else under the sun. It's a classic case of worry wart syndrome. If you tend to worry needlessly, you are not alone. Welcome to the She Strives with Faith podcast with Berthina Jackson. Berthina is a two-time divorcee, single mother, and war veteran who suffered from anxiety, but learned to let go and let God. Berthina will share captivating and down to earth conversations on how to strive by faith. Here's your host, Berthina Jackson.
0: Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the She Strives With Faith podcast. How are you? I hope that you are having a great week. You know, last week, May 9th, was Mother's Day. And I do hope to all the mothers out there that you had a wonderful Mother's Day. I hope that your children or your husband showered you with love and affection and they treated you like the queen that you are. I hope that they showed you nothing but appreciation. That's what it was for me. Um, I had a wonderful Mother's Day, my daughter came to visit with both the grandkids and we just had a blast. And now my son is home from college. So I'm just a happy mother right now. Now today, I want to go ahead and get into this episode, right? I want to talk about teenage daughters, okay? Um, I titled this, My Teenager Daughter is Driving Me Crazy, okay? Okay. And listen, growing up female is not easy. So let me ask you, are you a mother to a teen daughter? Do you have nieces who are teenagers? Perhaps you have a goddaughter. Maybe you are a guidance counselor at high school or a girl girl scout leader or you're involved in teen church. Regardless of whether she is your biological daughter or adopted daughter or spiritual daughter, you impact her life in a positive way. Now, I want to share some things that you need to know about adolescent girls. You may already know this. So I definitely don't want to um, insult your intelligence. I just want to share my perspective because I do have um, a daughter um, who I raised up and she's grown and living on her own, but she was once a teenager So we know that our teenager daughters, they struggle. And listen, the struggle is real. A teenage girl's volatile emotions can seemingly toss her and you like a hurricane. You see, when a scary external world and a turbulent internal world collide, the result is sometimes overwhelming and confusing. Being a mother to a teeny bopper is rewarding, but challenging. And if she's a girl, oh my gosh, it gets tense. You know, there will be times when you will want to pull your hair out from the roots. She will drive you crazy with all her emotional ups and downs. You see, when you combine the hormonal changes that she's going through with the everyday stuff that teenagers worry about, such as homework, you know, the stress from SATs and ACT tests, passing school exams, Fickle friendships and college decisions? Should I stay at home and get free meals and laundromat services? Or should I go as far away from my parents as possible? Thinking about all that I went through with my daughter, I wondered how did I get through 20 years of emotional ups and downs? I got to tell you, praying, praying, That's what got me through praying that I could carry out Ephesians chapter four, verse two, which says with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with. I substituted the word our daughter and one another in love. That's how I got through it. Praise God. She's grown and living her own life now. So yesterday I read a quote. And it said, "I don't think you understand how these hormones work. You're going to make me do something that I'll end up on the news." and so i just I just giggled and laughed when i heard, when I read that quote, because I know that feeling all too well. I too was a teenager once upon a time. so you know what i ask, I asked myself, and I asked you as well. What can you do to protect your relationship with your daughter? How do you guide her through the chaotic times and assure her that you are truly on her side? Well, the answer to that, in my opinion, you keep parenting with love and compassion. Become her ally and not her enemy. Work on finding out how you both can experience life-changing growth, even in the midst of the emotional ups and downs. Yeah, I know. You've got a daughter and she is driving you crazy. I get it. Hang in there. It'll all get better by and by. Okay. So let's get a little bit, little bit more into this conversation about our teenage daughters. You know, her world reflects the adult's world, only it's more intense, dramatic, extreme, and less controlled. I like what Rosalind Wiseman had to say. Rosalind Wiseman, author of Queen Bees and Bees, said this in her book. Her friendships with other girls are a double edged sword. The friendships are key to surviving adolescence, yet they can be the biggest threat to her survival as well. End quote. What Rosalind said is so true. I mothered a teenage girl. And I remember those times when she was off and on with her friendships. There were times I intervened and other times I kept my mouth shut. Rosalind, girlfriend, I totally agree with you. And I'm glad those days are over. Well, not exactly. My daughter is still just a tad bit emotional. But listen, I am too. Okay? I'm still a woman, so I still get emotional. Now, here's something else. Although I have a degree in social psychology and I have read many self-help books and sociology and psychological textbooks, it still surprises me when I hear about the overriding importance of friendships to adolescent girls. Here's a true story. And I've changed the name of the person to, you know, kind of protect the person's identity. Kelly's parents are going through a divorce, a messy divorce. Kelly is a child of a friend who's been in the middle of a custody battle for several months, and she witnessed her parents' poor behavior. When I talked to Kelly, I expected to hear about her parents' custody battle and the, the fights that they have, the divorce and other aspects of a terrible divorce. But, you know, she began by telling me she was having a lot of problems with her friends. That was surprising to me anyway. Well, anyway, Kelly said there's this guy she liked, but he didn't know it. And she didn't know if she should tell him. And she felt it would get all weird if she told him. And then she continued by sharing how her best friend since second grade had a boyfriend. And she was with him all the time. And when she wasn't with him, she talked about him. And Kelly felt her best friend didn't seem to care about her at all anymore. She felt like she was hated by everyone. Hormones will make you a little dramatic. Anyway, Kelly's focus on her friendships was probably in part a distraction and defense against the pain that she was experiencing in her family situation. But, you know, her concerns about friends were also the real focus of her life at that time. Now, I want you to understand there are two foundational realities about teenage girls and their peers that parents need to understand. If we ever hope to help our daughters as they navigate the emotional turmoil of their relational worlds. Number one, our daughters were designed for relationship. And two, our daughters relationships with peers feel like the most significant relationships in their lives. The first reality is that we were all created for relationships. Your daughter's diary entries about friends, girls, and boys, the hours that she spends on email, texting, social media, and the cell phone reflect her design for connection. At no time in our daughter's life has she been more aware of her desire for relationship than now, her teenage years. Her design is revealed in her focus on friends in the simple reality that Only girls go to the breast room in pairs. That's how strong that connection is. And just as your daughter's emotional development is awakening to her desire for friendships, she enters a social world of rules and conduct that is sometimes cruel and always confusing. But yet she experiences a profound longing for relationships The second reality is that during their uh, teen years, girls view their relationship with their friends as the most important relationship in their lives. Did you hear me? It is the most important relationship in their lives. They experience intense connections, loyalty, and heartbreak during these tumultuous times in which they have banded together. These intense connections can confuse parents, Make mothers feel passed over or left out, or tempt parents to dis- to dismiss the significance of these relationships as merely part of teenage drama. I remember coming home from school one afternoon, and when I walked in the door, I slammed my book back to the kitchen floor. My mom said, "How was your day?" My response was horrible. My day was horrible. And I really don't want to talk about what happened today, Mom. Now, I'm sure my mother was a little confused and didn't really know what to say because she turned around and walked into the living room to watch her favorite television show. And she just left me to my own defenses. She she wasn't ready to deal with it. Does this sound familiar? Have you wondered if you should run after your daughter and risk disconnection by invading her privacy, her space? Do you ignore her mood and distance yourself and dismiss her pain of the moment? That's what my mom did. Mm hmm. She sure did. Do you knock on the bedroom door and lecture her about her attitude and risk disconnection by placing yourself above her struggles? Or do you tell her that you're sure you're absolutely positive God will work everything out if she just will trust him? If she would just give her heart to God, it would would work it out. But then you might be risking disconnection by over spiritualizing the situation. And let me say something about spiritualizing. I'm not saying that we don't acknowledge that God is able, that he is a way maker, that he can fix any and everything, that nothing is too big or small for him. What I'm saying is that spiritualizing our daughter's emotional experience can discount her feelings and make us sound self-righteous as if we have never went through any emotional roller coasters. Sounding preachy can minimize their experiences and break our emotional connection with our daughters. Platitudes often pour automatically from the mouths of well-meaning mothers. Phrases like, God will work everything out. Or we just have to trust God to take care of things. And here's another one. God doesn't like an angry spirit. These words and phrases are not as effective as we think they are in the greatest time of our daughter's need. We can go and pray in private for them. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But when we use those phrases, we're spiritualizing their experience and minimizing what they feel. Our daughters may get the feeling that they are bad or feel negative emotions. And as a result, they may not only hide their feelings from us, but shut themselves off from God as well. Spiritual cliches don't address the problem and may create more pain in our daughters rather than bring soothing comfort. If we read through the book of Psalm, notice the full range of emotions expressed by the psalmist. As mothers, after God's own heart, we're called to be present in the midst of the gamut of our daughter's emotional expressions, just as God is present with us in the midst of all we feel. Because we don't want our daughters to get drowned in, in their emotions, We want them to grow in maturity, spiritual maturity as well, to enjoy life and see life as beautiful and exciting. As experienced and veteran mothers, we know that trouble don't don't last always. It doesn't last always. Joy will come. We'll laugh again. But of course, our daughters are too inexperienced or too emotional to understand this. So we have to encourage them and love them through the rocky times. Why? Because we've been here in this world long enough to know that God has promised in all things. In all things, we will persevere in all things. We will overcome because we're we're women. We're tough cookies, okay? We can handle it. We are more than conquerors through him, Christ Jesus, okay? And Jesus loves our daughters more than they can ever imagine. And we just, we have to teach them, teach them through this process to be, to be, to be strong, to embrace their emotions, but also with the understanding that things will get better, And when you think about it, all of the responses that come naturally and make sense in the midst of our daughter's emotional angst are potentially disconnecting. But we think because we are mothers, we know what's best. And so we prayerfully and intentionally approach our daughters with compassion. And we've got love written all over our face. And the words coming out of our mouth are words that are meant to lift them up and to edify them and to make them feel better about their situation because we genuinely want to know if there is anything we can do to help. And so we boldly, with confidence, knock on their bedroom door, prepared to connect emotionally by asking all the really good questions. But before a single word comes out of our mouth, our daughters let loose with a statement or a phrase phrase such as, Mom, didn't you hear me? I don't want to talk to you. I had the worst day of my life. And then she goes on to say Kim and I are fighting, and Derek is going to break up with me. My whole world is falling apart, and you're only making it worse. Wow. Now, in my house, my mama probably would have smacked my teeth down my throat, and while she was smacking me real hard in my face, she wag her finger at me and say, I brought you into this world and I will take you out of this world if you ever disrespect me like that again. But this is not my personal story. It's Kelly's story. And her mother is more understanding and empathetic because she's been there. She can relate. Kelly's words were hurtful, harsh and unjustified, but not not completely foreign to her mother because her mother knew she must have had a really bad day. Haven't we all felt rejected by our daughters? We have. We go to them with our best intentions to help and they push us away. You know, when my daughter and I were not connecting, I felt crushed. I felt as if I had been let down on several occasions. I felt I had been unfairly accused. And immediately I became defensive At that moment, I didn't care about connecting. You know, all compassionate attention went out the window and I launched into my best martyr mother speech. I work all day to take care of you. I go out of my way to make sure you have food on the table, roof over your head and clothes on your back. And this is how you show your appreciation. Yeah, that was my attempt to take my daughter on a guilt trip and it was ineffective, a failed attempt. She would cry, raise her voice a few decibels, and she would say to me, she would say very strongly to me, I never wanted you to do anything for me. I don't ask you for nothing. Just forget about it. I don't care. Nothing matters anymore. I hate my life. I'm telling you, it's enough to drive you crazy. Now, I wish I could tell you I rushed over to hold her in my arms to give comfort to her and tell her I was wrong for not being more caring, and giving her time to figure it out. That didn't happen. I press onward full speed into disaster. So my response to her response was fine. You can just stay in your room and figure out how you're going to take care of yourself with no job and no money. And by the way, let me know how that works out for you. And then I turned around slamming the bedroom door. As you can see, I don't always practice what I preach, but I hope you will join me in in a profoundly simple acknowledgement that mothering a teenage girl is hard, it's complicated, and it's not as cut and dry as it seems. None of us does it right all the time. Lord, help us all. There is something about our daughter's emotional turmoil that pushes our buttons of defensiveness. You see, I went to my room after my unproductive conversation with my daughter and I prayed for a few minutes. I did some deep breathing. And then I turned on Oprah to see if she had a parenting expert on, on her show to who would be able to help me to help my daughter. <laughs> No, but seriously, seriously, um, God knows the stress that teenage girls are under. You know, we don't always seek to understand the specifics behind their emotional explosions. We just want our daughters to get over it. We just want it to be better. But hey, God knows all the details and we can trust him to work it out. Mm-hmm. We sure can. Our daughter's friendships with her peer group, as I said before, are the most important ones in her life. And it seems like a simple concept, one that mothers forget in the context of mothering and wanting to be an ally in the midst of relational ups and downs. But it's really important for us to remember how important her relationships with her friends are. When my husband and I uprooted and moved from North Carolina to Maryland, I didn't realize my daughter's friendships were really important to her. She might have known her friends for only a few months or years, and maybe they would have drifted apart from one another after high school. But her friendships were really important to her. Her friends might hurt her or leave her out, but they were really important. I might not have liked all her friends or understood their behavior, but they were really important to her. Have I said that enough? Is it sinking in? Her friendships are really important to her. And when I chose my military career over her friends, over my daughter's friends, or dismissed or ignored her relational experiences, she chose her friends over me more often than not. But you know what? I remember when I was a teenager, my friends were everything to me. When I had a boy problem, a teacher problem, a parent problem, or a sibling problem, I called my friends first. My mother was not the first choice. So we must never forget that when we were young and emotional from age 13 to 20, we did the same thing. And, you know, even today, some of us have become emotional drama queens. Let's face it. Even if our intentions are to honor our daughters and their friends, if they are hurt by their peers, we are a witness to their hurt and pain. And yes, we become a bucket for them to dump all those negative feelings. Mm -hmm. They're having a bad day. We get to hear it. They can drive us crazy. Yes, indeed. So the next time you have a conflict with your daughter, take a few minutes to sort it out. First of all, identify everything you said and felt that was about you and not your daughter. Own it. Second, identify and validate your daughter's feelings and needs. Ask yourself, what can I let go of that's about me? What specific need does my daughter have that I can address and am I taking it personally? If so, take some time to nurse your own hurt feelings and let your anger die down. Then focus on your daughter. If you believe you need to address your daughter's disrespectful words, it is best to do this from a position of calmness and sympathy. Look at yourself first and assess if you made the situation worse by overreacting Most of us, if we are honest, would rather fight with our daughter than face ourselves. And even more tricky is the reality that as a mother, you set yourself up for that argument. When you force your daughter to choose between you and her friends, when you diminish her concerns and play the martyr, it will backfire. The results you were hoping to get backfired. And now she's upset with you and she chooses her friends over you. No child feels good about choosing against her mother unless they feel they didn't have a choice. Remember what I said earlier, her friends are really important to her. Now it's hard for me to say this, but instead of becoming our daughter's ally in developing friendships, we become the enemy. we We create the issue unintentionally at first and then actively. We take the hurtful words they fling at us and we shout our own accusations right back at them. Was it worth it when our daughter is crying an ocean of tears? You see, when I realized retaliation was counterproductive, I had to scale back because I was guilty of turning her emotional meltdown into a me thing. I made it personal. And that is a big no-no. It's never, never, never a good idea to threaten to stop mothering your daughter. The truth is that it is the furthest thing in our heart to do so. But we say stupid things when we are angry, don't we? We love our daughters. Sometimes our daughters need a moment to themselves before they are ready to talk. We need to give them their space and leave them alone. Let them come to us first when they are ready. The best we can hope to do is to be available whenever they are ready to share what's on their heart. And sometimes it can take an hour or days. Every teenager is different. When she does decide to come to you, why not share one of your personal stories? But don't make one up. Be truthful. Let's nurture our daughters and not tear them down, even though they can drive us crazy. Let's be more patient and understanding. The Bible says whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. Mothers, it's better to shake off the pride, humble yourselves, and ask for forgiveness. Because, hey, at the end of the day, we are mature Christian mothers. We're seeking to set an example, and pride has no place in our heart. Plus, an apology from you opens the door for her to apologize as well. And another thing, listen to what she's saying. Oh, yeah, she'll tell you she hates her life. That's okay. Let her get it out of her system. She is still young and immature and ain't lived long enough to see the truth. If it's her first breakup with a boy, she thinks the world has come to an end, but it hasn't. What she doesn't know is that there will be more breakups later on in life. But help her understand that God is protecting her heart. She may not see it that way. Why? Because she is smitten with the guy. So she's skipping around in la-la land, daydreaming. She's on cloud nine, seven days a week over some little boy who's really trying to come up with a game plan to play her like a violin and get what he wants. Truth be told, boys want sex. But you can't tell her that because she'll think you hate her boyfriend. Well, she's right. Now, I wouldn't say hate. That's a strong adjective. I'll use dislike instead. And understand that peer pressure can be a bad influence. You see, all her girlfriends have a boyfriend. And if she doesn't have one, she won't fit in. At least that's what she thinks. And us mamas, we try so hard to tell our darling, our darling daughters they they don't need a boy to complete them, They, but they don't listen to us. Their friends have more influence than we do and we have more experience. But sometimes our daughters have to find out the hard way. My mother used to tell me, you make your bed, you gotta lie in it. In other words, I tried to warn you, but you didn't listen. So now you're heartbroken. Listen, mothers, it ain't easy dealing with our teenage daughter. But we can't stop teaching them the meaning of pure and holy relationships. Because if we throw in the towel and say, never mind, our daughters will have to endure even worse. Let me circle back to the boyfriend issue for a hot minute. I found out a boyfriend is a male companion with whom one has a romantic or sexual relationship. It's not a brother in Christ relationship. It's a friends with benefits relationship. And by benefits, I mean sex. Premarital sex will lead our daughters away from God. We must talk to our daughters before it's too late. But I want you to be strategic. Plan the chat around a mommy-daughter date. Be casual. And don't sound preachy because she needs to hear from you. I wish my mother had told me these bits of wisdom. I'm telling you, it would have saved me from a lot of heartache. Now, as I sit thinking about my own daughter, it took a few hours for her funky mood to go away before she could share the details about her complicated social world. And I am very aware that there are some parts of my daughter's social life, past and present, that she will not tell me. And I'm okay with that. Some stuff I don't want to know. As the saying goes, TMI, too much information. So listen, let me wrap this up. One characteristic of a healthy mother raising a growing adolescent is accepting that there are parts of your daughter's world that are hers and hers alone. You see, there are things that I did in secret, things that I'm sure you did in secret, that your mother will never know. It's only between you and God. My mother does, doesn't know a whole lot of stuff about me. And guess what? She never will. I'm taking it to my grave and that's all to it. And to all the mothers, anyone who has been instrumental in the life of a girl, when you feel a la- feel at a loss to help, get on your knees and pray. If you can pray and ask God to be a refuge until the calamity has passed. Pray that your daughter will learn to wait on the Lord to renew her joy. You can never go wrong if you ask God to send her godly friends whom they can um, openly share their heart with without fear of it being crushed. Pray that your daughter will have spiritual insight to separate from anyone who is not a good influence. And by the way, prayer is a powerful defense against the irrational thinking, depression, anxiety, stress, and all the craziness our daughters are bombarded day in and day out with. Every day, every day, our daughter, our daughters need their parents, aunts, uncles, spiritual mothers, and their pastor to pray for them. So we have to pray that our daughter will not be blinded by darkness. They will walk in the light of Jesus Christ, not carry grudges or hold things in their heart against us or others, and that they will practice forgiveness and desire reconciliation. And once you and your daughter are back on speaking terms and the waves of calm and the waves are calm, like a gentle breeze, set aside some mother-daughter time to ask her about her friendships. Ask her apart from your family, who is most important in your life right now? Ask your daughter if she could identify, identify one really good friend that she's comfortable with sharing her heart with, who would that be and why? Ask her if she was escaping a sinking ship and had to pick one or two friends to be in her life. Who would she pick and why? Mothers, these are some really you know, good questions you can ask your daughter so that you can have a better understanding of who she is and her relationships and why they're important to her. I don't want you to be the mother whose, whose daughter says you never listen and you don't understand. We can learn to appropriately respond to our daughter's pain and help them understand their feelings. Our central Christian message to our daughters is that God's love should be the foundation of their identities. There's a passage in the book of Psalms, chapter 139, verses 13 and 14, And it says, for you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Oh, that's a beautiful passage. You see, our daughters are so sensitive. They overthink every little thing and they care way more than they should. But that's what makes their love so strong. And that's what makes us love them even more. Well, beautiful ladies, friends and family, people all around the world who's listening to this podcast, I've got to go. But before I end this episode, I want to know, do you know Jesus? Would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you do, I want you to repeat these words after me because time is short. Tomorrow is not promised. And I want to make sure that you know where you're going when you leave this earth, okay? So let's go ahead and do this. What I want you to do is first acknowledge your sins. Secondly, believe in your heart that Jesus died for you. And finally, repent, confess, and and forsake your sins. And then I want you to say the following prayer out loud and mean it from your heart. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe in my heart that he died for my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead for my justification. Lord Jesus, come into my heart right now. I receive you today as my personal Lord and Savior. I give you all the glory. If you have sincerely prayed this prayer, then you are now born again. Congratulations. God bless you and welcome to God's family. Well, it's time for me to go, but I'll be back. So until next time, have a blessed rest of the week. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening to the She Strives with Faith podcast. To hear more about how you can tap into the power of striving with faith, join her next week. If you found value in the episode, give her a rating or tell a friend about the show. Follow Berthina on Facebook and Instagram for a more personal chat. Until next time. Strive to keep faith alive.
0: Thank you so much for listening. It was really great spending time with you. Once again, I'm Berthina Jackson, author of Without Ruin, Pearls of Wisdom for the Triumphant Woman, purchasable at Amazon.com. Feel free to reach out to me on Facebook and Instagram. I look forward to hearing from you. Till next time, Berthina.